A Sunday of potential severe weather up and down the eastern seaboard as we have uh, SPC uh, outlining a large area of risk. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday morning uh, Joe and Joe weather show, complete with me fresh from a 866-mile drive, uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, the uh, Joe and Joe weather show uh, brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware, uh, Long Island's uh, largest mulch source. Uh, we've gone from rock salt to mulch. And of course, with spring here, uh, make sure you, you get uh, whatever it is you need to do to make your yard the best yard there is. And uh, they're busy there at uh, Omni, moving all the mulch around along with topsoil, gravel, and more. 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, 631-756-1125. The website, omnitruevalue.com. And also brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist. Plan ahead for the next holiday season at uh, 631-957-5106. Uh, they've got uh, Christmas covered. Uh, they have Halloween covered and uh, several ho other holidays. So give them a call if you want to have your house decorated or maybe you want to become a decorator and make some extra money. 631-957-5106, liholidaylighting.com. Uh, so, Mr. Rayo, it's uh, uh, quite an interesting day here. And on top of everything else, uh, the um, the wind machine is about to get turned on again for tonight and tomorrow. Indeed, once again. And before we talk about the wind, Joe, the last two or three days, I, I you know I was scratching my head. Now, I'm, nothing against the folks who were, uh, are at the Storm Prediction Center, but I was just wondering why did they always keep the even the area of general thunderstorm coverage to the south of the tri-state area. So I, I said, you know, the warm front's going to move through. We're going to be in that wedge between the warm front to our north and the cold front coming in this evening from our west. Why at least not mention a little bit of convective activity, maybe even uh, some possible severe weather. And even yesterday, they had everything scrunched just to the south. And as you just pointed out today, now they have the entire or virtually the entire eastern seaboard brushed with at least the risk not only of thunderstorms, but maybe a marginal risk of severe weather, even up here. And we may see that with the cold front, not right now, but probably uh, the best shot would be later in the day today or toward this evening as the front sweeps on through. Yeah, I, uh, I drove back down to Georgia yesterday and uh, blue skies and sunshine until I got into southern Virginia and drove into a black brick wall uh, it's a lot of fun driving in thunderstorms, Joe, when you're at an elevation of about uh, 1,500 or 2,000 feet and watching lightning bolts, oh. bolts shoot to the ground and hitting you on either side, uh, along, oh. along with the heavy rain. But, you know, just kind of moved along. And uh, now this morning here, I have to tell you, the thunderstorms have been, first of all, we had rain, you know, when it rains here, it really rains. It's it's like somebody, it's like somebody pouring you know buckets of water down. You know when you see the huge water flow, yeah. and and yeah. I have a you know everybody here has a metal roof, so of course you hear. I mean you really hear it. It echoes, and uh, we we had thunder and lightning. Something got hit nearby here because the thunder was so incredibly loud that it shook the house and it was it was it, it, the hit must have been very close because of the 
the, the, the loudness of the, um, of the thunderstorms. We seem to be in a bit of a lull period here uh, at the moment, um, but I we'll give the, the radar a check in a little bit to see if I'm in line for some more. I, I also want to, uh, on my drive on Friday, I started Friday evening, so I drove from Long Island. I stopped in Westchester, stayed at my mother's house. This is like basically knocked out the first hour. So here, here's something that I don't remember seeing, but now that I've experienced it. So uh, they closed the, the uh, because I'm guessing because of the wind, uh, unless there was something else going on, but they closed the bridges to truck traffic. Um, first it said uh, empty trucks that had, you know, empty trucks were not allowed to cross the bridge, but apparently on the Whitestone Bridge, they were forcing all the trucks to get off the road, which created such a horrendous backup. It took me longer to go from Long Island, the 62 miles from, from where I was on Long Island to uh, Westchester County, than it took me to drive across five states yesterday. <laughs> it just... Wow. <laughs> the traffic was, was, was crazy. But the, the thing, the, the, the thing that, that wound up happening was, so I finally get through, you know, this, this huge traffic jam. So I get on the bridge. Half the way up the bridge, they, the traffic comes to a dead stop. I sat on the top of the Whitestone Bridge for about, I would say, five minutes. And when you're sitting on top of the Whitestone Bridge, when the weather is okay, it's one thing. But when you've got 50 no. miles an hour, 50 mile an hour winds blowing at you at a 90 degree, basically a 90 degree angle of your truck, it's it's not the most, it isn't the no. most, let's say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Comfortable feeling in the world to be up there? <laughs> that bridge was designed, that bridge was designed after Galloping Gertie, the, uh, the Seattle-Tacoma bridge that collapsed yes. uh, back in like 1940. That the Whitestone Bridge basically is the twin of that bridge. And after what happened in 1940, they kind of went back and kind of stabilized or stiffened that bridge up. But the bridge is supposed to bounce. It's it's supposed to waver in the in in strong winds because if it were stiff, that would make it even more uh, prone to sure to go going down or whatever it's not i'm sure it's not very ha pleasing uh, being on that bridge with very very strong winds blowing and you, of course you, you just mentioned you experienced something like that yesterday uh <laughs> a little frightening perhaps too i i guess uh we're monitoring i'm monitoring the chat board today because i'm back on two mo monitors uh, Joe, uh, you can um, you you should uh, enjoy the fact that Manny Fergosa is on is is new to the chat board, and he says these two clowns act like they know nothing of weather modification. Okay, so that's uh, the, oh really? Yeah. Okay, so now we're clowns. All right. Uh, you know what, Manny? I'm the one with the big red nose. Exactly. I'm the one with the big red nose, Manny. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. hate to tell yeah. you what that makes you uh, posting that message on the chat board, but you know, we, we tend to be kind to, to those that have lesser minds. Uh, but we'll, um, uh, you know what I'm going to like Manny. I, to, I, I'm in the mood to have some, I, I'm, I'm in the mood to have some fun. I'm, like I, to, I'm not going to take him off the chat board. Let him, let him say what he wants. It's a Sunday. I need, I, I like need, to, I need something I'd to like laugh to subject, at. I'd like to subject Manny to an entire semester of uh, listening to uh, 
uh, lectures by Professor Ehrlich or Professor Spar or uh, Dr. Getzelman. And, and I'm sure that after uh, two or three sessions, Manny would be flittering out the door. <laughs> I mean, we had to go through that back in the day, but uh, um, yeah, we, I think we know a little bit about weather modification, uh, Mr. Pergoza. So, all right, uh, Christina Pedia is on. You know, Christina Pedia has been was has been in the hospital with COVID, and uh, we uh, we wish her well and hope that uh, she continues to improve. She's improved enough to put the uh, comment to say, "Get the clown posse." <laughs> uh, really. Uh, <laughs> We really, uh, we really do do uh, wish you well, James H. A uh, a her an early uh, super chat hit. Thank you, James and Joe. He asks, "This would be the fifth wind advisory this month." I think so. Yeah, this is uh, th- this is number five, and we do have advisories up. Although it's kind of strange what what the weather service did. I don't know if you picked up on this, uh, but let me bring it up on the screen. Uh, so give me one second. Uh, just juggling a few things here at the same time, and we'll uh, we'll start things off. Then we're going to go talk about the severe weather uh, and, uh, and and everything else that's going on. But take a look at the uh, watches and warnings map. Now, this must be because there's got to be some sort of local effect going on uh, in some places. But uh, they have the weather service has weather. Uh, wind, uh, I'm sorry, they have wind advisories up from the northeastern counties of New Jersey. And through much of New England, which I kind of expected, all right? Uh, they also have wind advisories up for all, all of Maryland, okay, and uh, northwestern Virginia. Now, the mountains up uh, up and down I-81, that whole corridor there, I get that. I, I, I sort of get that part. What I don't get is... They, I guess maybe according to whatever they have using or whatever models are using, they're using to figure these numbers out. In between, there's no advisories up. So there's no advisories up for much of the state of New Jersey except the northeastern counties and no advisories up for, uh, I would have thought, you know, maybe eastern Pennsylvania. In a way, I'm not surprised at that. I'm just a little bit, you know, I'm just trying to understand the entire state of Maryland. Again, it must be some kind of funneling effect maybe they're expecting uh, to bring the wind gusts down that strong there. Uh, that's that's what I can think of. Well, uh, you know, my uh, general rule of thumb for uh, wind is to take the boundary level wind and multiply it by one and a half off of the uh, uh, FOO 61 uh, tabular uh, data. And that, it seems to me, uh, looking at the, uh, the very latest FOOS that came out about a half an hour ago, the peak winds for LaGuardia for the Tri-State area would be hitting during the afternoon today with maybe gusts in the immediate vicinity of like 35 to 40. I mean, nothing overly strong, nothing that we can't handle. Of course, out on Long Island, uh, the winds tend to be a bit stronger. The other day, we had winds gusting to over 60 on parts of eastern Long Island. So, it, it, and, and, and interestingly, Joe, the lifted index, the indi- indicator for possible thunderstorm activity, drops to minus three, which is a, a moderate uh, level for um, potential strong thunderstorm activity uh, by eight o'clock this evening. And then six hours later, it jumps to plus 13. So I would suspect that if we're going to see any convection, it probably will come. This is for our local area now, the tri-state area. It would come this afternoon into about seven or eight o'clock this evening. And then very quickly, 
when the winds shift over into the west and northwest, that convection threat is going to diminish to zero. And um, we may even have uh, skies that will go into a clearing mode in the late night hours after midnight tonight. So uh, all the action, I think, is going to be this afternoon and for a short while early this evening. The winds, well, I think the winds will be busy at least into uh, early tomorrow, and then they'll quickly drop off some. But uh, uh, it, it, I don't know whether or not I would have personally put up a, a wind advisory. I think they're going to fall just short of the criteria for wind advisory levels. But still, I guess it's worthwhile to to mention. And uh, yeah, it has been a very windy month so far this month of March. Yes. Uh, Storm Prediction Center, uh, enhanced risk up, as you said, uh, extended northward this morning. Uh, into southern New England and uh, up the Hudson Valley, almost to about Albany. Uh, the slight risk was kind of nudged a little bit further to the north into uh, northern Delaware and then just south of the PA Maryland line. Enhanced risk in southeastern Virginia and in a small portion of northern North Carolina. And the slight risk, by the way, goes all the way down uh, into uh, uh, northeast Alabama. And so I'm in the slight risk of severe weather. Uh, with this, and uh, the marginal risk goes a bit further south than that. When we uh, look ahead over the next couple of days, uh, the actual pattern across the United States is changing thanks to a developing block, and we're going to talk about that in, in, in a little bit, but that is going to reduce the severe weather threat. So when we look at tomorrow, so this is Monday into Tuesday, no severe weather is forecast across the U.S. On Wednesday, I'm sorry, on uh, Tuesday into Wednesday. Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday into Wednesday, uh, a small area of marginal risk uh, for northeastern Texas and into uh, Louisiana, northern Louisiana, southern Arkansas, and also into northern Mississippi, just a marginal risk. And I don't think this is a situation that you're going to see a whole lot of upside here with regards to suddenly waking up and, you know, on that particular day and finding, you know, moderate risk or enhanced risk. Uh, couldn't rule out a, um, you know, maybe a little slight risk for a small area. And then looking at the day four to eight time frame, uh, we have uh, predictability too low on day four, potential too low on day five. So day five looks like one of those quiet days. Potential too low on day six, potential too low on day seven, and potential too low, Joe, on day eight. And that kind of makes sense. If we're going into a blocking pattern uh, it's going to stop uh, storms from moving across the plains into the Great Lakes and, and probably shutting the Gulf of Mexico off for a little while. And that would, make, that would reduce the potential for severe weather. It would. It would. And um, as you just alluded to, uh, we may see some changes in the overall pattern as we move on toward the uh, latter part of next week, which might be of, of interest to some. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it looks like things are going to finally quiet down, especially down across the Southland where they've had two consecutive weeks of, uh, of uh, high, high potential for uh, severe weather, which is something that you don't often see. But uh, it, it'll be nice to see things quiet down over the uh, southern end of the United States uh, for a change. By the way, on uh, Tornado HQ... Uh, bringing this up, uh, just as you said, the uh, fact that uh, things have uh, quieted down a bit. And while we do have some strands of thunderstorms that are running down uh, the uh, I-81 corridor 
on into northern Georgia and southern Alabama and southern Mississippi, they're not quite at to the level of what we saw uh, back uh, a few days ago and in the other severe weather outbreak before that. Uh, a couple of stronger storms down uh, off uh, <clears throat> Galveston in Texas. And then, of course, you see what's going on here uh, in the northeast with these waves of heavy rain. And there was actually, Joe, some lightning and thunder being reported around Kennedy Airport a little earlier. Uh, my uh, uh, friend, uh, Mike uh, Leona, who was one of my former, when I was, I'm the former one, but one of my uh, producer, my regular producer over at, uh, at PICS, uh, was uh, had let me know about this this morning because he's on shift at uh, at Kennedy right now, and those waves uh, moving on up to the northeast. But as far as warnings are concerned, uh, severe thunderstorm or tornado warnings, we we don't see any and haven't seen any today. If you go back two or three days, two and three days ago, you know the long list is still there. But uh, there's nothing new from the standpoint of uh, of severe weather. Here's what it looks like on the satellite today is we've got low pressure up in the Great Lakes. You see some Gulf moisture uh, coming up and moving up the eastern seaboard. And, of course, with the warm front pushing northward, the cold front to follow, uh, you get uh, the, whoever gets warm sectored could see some uh, developing storms uh, later on today as that sweep swings to the east. The plains are quiet at the moment. Uh, the northwest seeing some moisture moving in there. Uh, but no major storms, Joe, on the on the horizon at this point. No, nothing, and doesn't look like we're going to see anything major, in my view, this coming week. Well, no, the, the thing that uh, I'm making the allusion to, not necessarily later this week, but we still had that that weird setup around the fifth or sixth of April, with that pivoting upper low that yes. uh, elongates and uh, spins, yes. actually uh, storming us back toward the coastline. That's that's the weird uh, setup that uh, we might be looking at, uh, not necessarily for this week, but again, for sometime early the following week. All right. Radar right now, uh, pretty uh, busy there uh, over in eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, up to Long Island, uh, uh, southern New York, uh, into Connecticut as that warm front pushes through. Uh, and you see the trailing showers and storms running down from West Virginia uh, down into uh, northern Georgia and through northern Alabama. And yeah, I'm in, I'm just getting, just gotten, it looks like I might be getting ready. Nope. Yep. Those, uh, those are, those are the ones may have just gone through here. I may be just west of that, that heavy stuff that you see there uh, in, uh, in uh, northern Georgia. And WPC over the next seven days, uh, actually pretty bullish with the rainfall amounts here because we do have another system to deal with on, on uh, Wednesday night and Thursday, well, later Wednesday and Thursday, and especially for New England where they're showing two to three inch liquid amounts. And of course, that also includes what falls today. Uh, this goes from uh, twelve uh, from 8 a.m. today to 8 a.m. next Sunday. And you're seeing some heavier precip also. Most of this is probably today down in Georgia, northern Mississippi, and in eastern Tennessee. Uh, lighter, not, hardly anything going on in the plains, hardly anything going on in the southwest and in California with some rain up into the uh, Pacific Northwest. And let's give a look-see at what WPC says uh, with all of this for snow. And this takes us into Wednesday morning. So uh, let's, uh, let's do the probability of two. Because this, 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 this time of year, it gets tough. <laughs> uh, but uh, there you see it. Up in northern New York, a small area in the northern Adirondacks with the probability of two. 
of 50% and 50% or higher in northernmost Maine. So caribou getting its usual late season snowfalls. And on up in the northern Rockies and in the Pacific Northwest, some higher probabilities of, uh, of at least two. I'm going to bring up, Joe, third, uh, the long range. I want to take a look at this. Let's take a look at the long range on this because there is a system for when, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday. And uh, it is a system that the uh, usual internet chatterboxes are playing up. So I'm just kind of curious as to what WPC thinks about this. And let's, uh, let's see. All right, so for, so for Thursday, WPC has in western Pennsylvania, north central PA, maybe making it into the western Poconos and western Catskills. Uh, uh, that's, from there, north and west is where they have a probability of 10 to 30% of at least a quarter of an inch of the equivalent of snow and sleet. The darker green is 30 to 50%. So this is for Wednesday into Thursday. And then for Thursday into Friday, they have a 10 to 30% for Northeast and North Central PA, New York State, mainly north of the Catskills and north of Albany, uh, in uh, Vermont, in the land of Bill Rogers. Uh, we have uh, a 10 to 30% chance there and on up into northern New Hampshire and 30 to 50% further north. So... I'm kind of looking at this, and I'm kind of looking at what's going on for Thursday, and I don't know. I I just uh, it, it it didn't exactly knock my socks off in terms of potential for uh, some some uh, uh, big snows, let's say in in those areas w well up into upstate New York and into into New England and northern New England in particular. Well, of course, now we're talking about the month of April, and uh, at least here in the immediate tri-state area, I think the normal snowfall at Central Park is less than an inch. So again, you're going to have to really go a long, a long ways if we're still working on that 1.4 to get to 40 inches at Central Park. And uh, uh, on the chat board, Barry is asking, uh, asking me to bring back um, 4682, April 6, 1982. Barry Goldberg, of course, re re referring to the blizzard that hit New York in 1982, April, uh, with 9.6 inches at Central Park and temperatures that fell into the 30s and 20s. Barry, I, I, I don't have a magic wand. If I did, I'd love to see that happen again, but it doesn't look like that is going to happen, at least in the foreseeable future. Here, here's the issue. When it comes to April snows in the, in the, uh, in the coastal northeast in the I-95 corridor, it's got to be perfect. You not only have to have the perfect um, upper air uh, setup, it's actually got to go beyond perfect because you have to have a, a, a perfect upper air and a very, very cold uh, response in the lower levels of the atmosphere. You probably need some kind of, of air mass that has an Arctic origin to it. And the other thing is, Joe, uh, if... Um, if you're lacking slightly in that, then you have to rely on the timing factor. And if you're looking for accumulating snow, it better fall at night because once it, it falls during the daytime, unless it's coming down at super heavy rates, 
uh, you're going to have a real tough time accumulating it even on the colder grassy surfaces. So you, you, have, you have too much working against you. And each day that passes makes it that much harder. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, another snow, a famous April snowstorm was the April Fool's snowstorm of 1997, where there really wasn't much in the immediate New York City area. But up here where I live, they had something like 14 inches of heavy wet snow. And there were some places up in this area that were without power for many, many days. That was the uh, that was probably one of the latest really heavy duty snowstorms that we have had in recent years. That was again in 1997. And we really haven't had anything like that in, in terms of significant or heavy snowfall up here or around the area ever since. So it's been a while and you're right. It has to, everything has to fall into place and your best chances of seeing anything would have to come in the overnight hours because Joe, as much as I know that you hate to mention stuff like sun angle, but it really does no, come into the, play now. Well, this time of year, it, 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 it's relevant. Uh, yes. You know, when they start talking sun angle at the end of January, that's a different story. Uh, but you know, yeah. we are into April. No, it is relevant now, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the meantime... So, yeah. um, no, in the meantime... No, I've, you, I've, go ahead. I'm sorry, because we have a little bit of a sound delay. No, I'm uh, just throw it back to you. I'm, okay. You know, whatever you want to say. So, so just as you pointed out, Joe, with this developing block, and I've got the European upper air. Uh, this is for Thursday. And, of course, we have a, a, a low, an upper low that's forming north of Lake Ontario with a rather deep-looking trough in the eastern part of the United States. And if you take a look up right in here, we talked about this last week, uh, developing high pressure uh, just uh, south of Iceland, and south of Gre southeast of Greenland uh, just strengthens and builds into the Davis Strait. Now, th this is the signature block. Uh, it also, by the excuse me, it's also, by the way, if you look at the flow, uh, this is a cold flow that's coming down from Alaska uh, and uh, northwestern Canada uh, into the eastern part of the United States. So this ideally in, you know, this is something like what we saw back in, in, in that three-week stretch in February, if you remember. Uh, now, of course, we see it here during the month of April. And uh, this is also, by the way, what a negative East Pacific oscillation looks like. Okay, uh, Higher pressures up in the Northeast Pacific, and that kind of forces the flow to come northwest to southeast from Western Canada into the eastern part of the United States. So you kind of have, I mean, you do have uh, a colder look to things here uh, later in the week. And as Joe mentioned, uh, the uh, upper low in, in the Northeast right in here is kind of trapped. We're now looking at uh, Wednesday, April the 7th. The upper low uh, is trapped uh, somewhere in New England. You've got the big blocking high over the top, and you continue to have this rather you know chilly flow that comes down out of Canada. Uh, so uh, laying any kind of storms aside, uh, aside for, for a moment, it does certainly suggest that if you're looking for 80 degree temperatures, you're not going to get that with this. Okay, it's just not going to happen. Uh, this is a, a, an upper pattern that is going to favor below average temperatures uh, through much of the time, uh, starting later this coming week and going into the week that follows. And I'm going to switch over to the GFS uh, to show you uh, that that uh, that upper low that Joe mentioned there, sitting off the New England coast. If I run it backwards, you'll actually see the the uh, 
the retrogression here as soon as the maps finish loading. But starting from Wednesday, April 7th, and going backwards, watch the upper low, okay? It actually turned, you know, you see it coming in from the northeast. Uh, and and this, is, this is typical in the springtime. It, it actually looks like it's moving in the right direction when you run it backwards because it's moving from west to east uh, in, in moving backwards in time. So this is what the block is doing here. Uh, the upper low tries to swing out. It really can't. And then you get a little arm that rotates southeastward, and then it just kind of t- just spins in there. And and this is, Joe, this is also in the springtime. Uh, this is the kind of thing that you have to be really careful about, Forget forgetting any kind of frozen precip. I'm not really talking in those lines. But this is the kind of thing where if you lock up an upper low off the New England coast like that, or if it drops further south, you could wind up being in kind of a gloomy, doomy pattern for days and days and days. We've known it to happen, especially at this time of the year. You know, you would always hope that in these blocked patterns that we would be on that side of the block that has, you know, the bright, sunny weather. But when you have the upper low so close to you, you have to deal with uh, sometimes long periods of, as you just mentioned, Joe, gloom. And and it's not necessarily a stormy pattern. It's just, you know, one day after another day after another day where there's more clouds and sun. You have that uh, kind of a raw northeasterly wind. It, in, in a word, the weather in such a pattern like that uh, is indifferent. It's just, you know, blah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that's a, that's and then, a typical, then, typical spring pattern. And then you could have days where there's lots of low clouds around. And if you're right along the immediate coast, uh, you look at the satellite and maybe the, the sunshine's broken out inland in western New Jersey and points west in Pennsylvania and upstate New York and and then you're just sitting with, you know, with like, as if somebody just splattered like a white paintbrush and just, just ran it up and down uh, the immediate coast. And those clouds on some days don't ever get out of the way. But uh, let, let's run through, you know, I'm going to run through the GFS here uh, in terms of the, uh, what it showed on its last run. Which, of course, if we were on daylight, if we were on standard time, we would already have about... Uh, seven or eight days of the new GFS, but uh, unfortunately we aren't anymore, and uh, therefore we have to look at the last model run. But here's your system for today. I'm using the radar view of the GFS here, and the trailing cold front, uh, which is pretty sharp looking, and of course you see the tight pressure gradient that develops overnight uh, into uh, Monday morning. Uh, looks like, Joe, on this run, maybe the gradient overnight on the overnight model run was a little bit tighter than on some of the prior runs. So who knows? They might have to fill in that wind advisory area in between, that missing area from uh, between, uh, uh, say, uh, New York City down to the Maryland state line where we don't have advisories up south and west. Uh, but uh, you know, here after that pulls out, the next high on Tuesday moves off the North Carolina coast. So that's going to allow things to warm up a little bit Tuesday into Wednesday. Here comes a cold front for Wednesday with some showers, and then uh, there'll probably be a wave that develops on this front that deepens off the off the uh, main coast or the Massachusetts coast east of Boston. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see if we that we might see a changeover to some wet snow uh, well north and west of co- of the coastal plain. Um, maybe up in the elevated areas in, in uh, the Poconos and Catskills for a short time, uh, translates maybe a bit more up in northern New England as the low pulls away. Then the gradient tightens again late in the week, 
But now, of course, with this block, you'll notice if you look at the isobars out to the east, they don't get very, they don't pull out. So there's something hung up there east of Nova Scotia. And now, of course, you're getting this flow that's coming down from Canada. So on Easter uh, Sunday morning, uh, if the GFS is right, there's some weak weather system that drops down from the northwest. And then, of course, watching the maps to our east, uh, you see that low rotating back west-southwestward. So this is not a pattern. It looks like at least for the first 10 days of April, Joe, we're going to be getting into, you know, we're going to get into this blocking pattern. It's, it's, and it's going to mean for what it usually means in this, in the, in this t- part of the spring. And, and as you said, that sort of indifferent type of weather. It, it can't get warm. Uh, the, the nights are chilly. The days are, you know, they, the days are somewhat raw at times. And uh, you, uh, you, you get frustrated because you if you're going to sit that way, you might as well take temperatures up into the 70s and it just can't happen. No, it doesn't. And um, it looks like it will be, as we just mentioned. But the interesting thing is, is that the Climate Prediction Center, the uh, the guys and gals who do the probability forecasts do you need for the to first sw- 10 days of to, April. Do you need to switch? Do you want to pull those maps up? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do that right now. All right. Um, let, me, let me put that up me, on the screen. Me, Okay, yes. so that's that's I took care of that. One more step, Mr. Rayo, just be hang on and you're good to go now. Very good. And um what I will do, hang on, I'm just getting all of this stuff here. While you're doing that, let me just let me just acknowledge uh the uh, uh the following folks that have hit uh super chat and of course, yeah, here we go. Uh starting with Robert Russo. Uh, and Brandon Doherty and James T hit earlier. Leon Probitsky uh, hitting super chat and Barry Goldberg hitting uh, super chat to Joe. And he says we are exemplary, top-notch meteorologists. So I guess that really that, we that more than compensates for the clown comments from uh, um, Manny, who I think the, <laughs> who I think by this time the mod, he's either gone away or the moderators have. I know they timed him out. Uh, I don't know if they banned him. Uh, but anyway, he's not there. But thank you, Barry. Most appreciated. Thank you. Go ahead, Joe. You've got the floor. All right. So uh, the, 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 interestingly, for all of the action that is uh, taking place, the Climate Prediction Center for April 1st through the 5th, look at that. They, they not only have us in below normal precipitation, but they also have us in uh, at least 50%, the darker shade of brown, so they apparently are under the impression, Joe, that for the first five days of April, we're not going to see much of anything in terms of, I mean, it may be a, a gloomy sky, but apparently not much in terms of precipitation. And even more interesting to me is the fact that when we look at the 8 to 14 day outlook, this is now for the 4th through the 10th of April, they continue uh, to keep us, well, actually, this is not uh, precipitation, This is uh, that was temperature. Here you go. For the 4th to the 10th of April, they continue to keep us in below normal precipitation. So if you want to believe the Climate Prediction Center for the first 10 days of April, there is going to be a paucity, if I may use that $5 word, a lack of any precipitation of any significance, save maybe for the occasional shower here or there. Not much to speak of. And that's kind of surprising because, again, as we pointed out, Somewhere around here near Nova Scotia, there's that upper low, and everything is kind of pivoting or swinging down from the north and northwest 
across the region, you would anticipate that there might be something, you know, more significant in terms of precipitation. But uh, they apparently think not of that particular pattern. And in terms of temperature, well, look at this. For the for the first uh, half of April, April 2nd to April 6th on the 6th to 10-day Prague, most of the eastern third of the country, as anticipated, is below normal. The real heat or warmth is out over the Plain States, where they have, in some cases over the Dakotas and Nebraska, as much as an 80% chance of above normal temperatures. These folks out here may very well, during the first part of April, may be seeing temperatures well into the 70s and 80s, whereas here, we may very well be basking in temperatures only in the 40s. Uh, so the cool area for the first week or so of April will be here along the eastern seaboard, and the warm stuff is going to be out over the nation's midsection, over the Plain States, where, again, the projection is for uh, much warmer temperatures. Let me just quickly check the uh, probabilistic uh, pattern here. Well, this is interesting. For um, hazardous temperatures, they have a slight risk, and that includes your area, Joe. For, February, for April 3rd and 4th, they have a slight risk of uh, excessively cool or chilly temperatures, which envelops not only your area, but much of the Tennessee River Valley, part of the Mississippi Valley, over to the mid-Atlantic coast to uh, Cape Hatteras and Norfolk, Virginia. And as far as anything else, precipitation-wise, nothing. Nothing for snow. Anything for wind? Yeah, for wind, from the 4th to the 8th of April, windy conditions. So you know what? That area that I mentioned just a few moments ago that is going to be well above normal temperature-wise in the 70s and probably the 80s, Nebraska and the uh, Dakotas, not only are they going to be above normal, but there's a slight chance of excessively high winds. So maybe a, a, a strong, windy, balmy, uh, warm air mass uh, setting up for the plain states as we move into the uh, uh, latter part of the first week of April. So looks like an interesting pattern coming up for April. Cool and dry here in the east and warm and windy over the nation's midsection and into the plain states for uh, for, again, the first week of April. Uh, Bobby Livingsworth said this will be nice for early April spring trout fishing. Yeah, in fact, uh, they actually starting, for me anyway, starting tomorrow, <clears throat> the uh, uh, environmental conservation guy, folks of the uh, state of Georgia start stocking the local rivers with uh, tons of trout. So, And the limit here, by the way, is eight trout per day. So they, they put in a lot of trout. Uh, in the uh, in the rivers uh, in, uh, in 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 this particular state. So if the weather does stay cool, Joe, I much prefer being out there uh, in cool cooler than normal. But I'm also where I am. 60s are, are pretty commonplace every day, and soon to be 70s, and soon to be 80s, and then the humidity starts to go up. So the longer it stays cooler than normal here, the happier I am. What about that uh, that stream that's just outside of your uh, where, where you live? Yeah, they get stocked. To, it gets stocked too. So all I have to do is walk two hundred yards down the hill, and uh, with JJ. With JJ. Oh, let me tell you a JJ story. Since we pretty much have the weather wrapped up, let let, let, let me uh, uh, let me let me tell you a JJ. Of course, so he came with me on this trip back to New York, and. You know, it's an 850-mile drive, 
so I stop every couple of hours. I always, whenever I stopped, um, I always, uh, whenever I travel on the roads, I always stop every couple of hours because I, uh, I, I, you need a break if it's a long trip. So I stop, I get gas, um, et, et cetera. So with JJ with me, when we stopped, now the stops are a little bit longer. So, which actually is good. It, it makes the, uh, I came, I came out of this long drive a bit physically, a bit easier to, to, uh, uh, you know, recover from as opposed to some of the other ones where, you know, I, I'm, I have a headache for two days and my body feels like it's, <laughs> it's still moving. So Joe, here's, let me, let me, um, uh, let me, uh, describe to you what happens when we stop at highway rest areas. Okay. So my dog, uh, has to, he, it's like he's in an amusement park and he's, has to smell everything. So it takes forever for him to go to the bathroom. And just when you think that he's about to go to the bathroom, either a car, you know, he hears a car going by and he has to see what it is, or another dog shows up in the dog walking area, something would come along to distract him. And yesterday, I basically spent the whole day praying for him to do number two. And we were, we were at the Tennessee West rest stop on the Tennessee, North Carolina state line on 26. And I'm people, people heard me because, um, there was a scream of glory. Hallelujah. When, uh, when he finally, finally let go, it just makes your trip easier knowing that your dog has done what he's supposed to do when you stop at these, at these rest stops. But the thing that really struck me, I have never seen a dog do this. So we get home yesterday well, we're, we're actually within about five miles of the house. He starts barking. And so he recognizes the area because he always goes with me. We go to the dog park. So we drive through these areas all the time and, 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 he, and he recognizes it. So he starts, um, he starts barking, which I expected. Now we get to near the house and we come into the development where, where my cabin is and he is really starting to bark out of control and, you know, look his head, uh, you know, sticking out the window. And I'm thinking he's, look, he's already knows that the squirrels are out there. This goes on. So we get to the driveway. I, I open the door. I have to leash him up. He wants to, he literally wants to jump out of the car. Okay. Which he didn't, doesn't really do. You have to call him out the rest of the time. So he, he tries, he wants to jump out of the car. I have to stop him. So I, I leash him up. So we walk and we go into the house. Joe, we went into the house for five minutes. I'm not making this up. For five minutes. He ran around the room, jumping three and four feet in the air and barking that dog happy bark. And, 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 and he, you know, he jumped on me and then he would jump off. And then he We're would home. Run. We're yeah. home. I, We're I, home. You know, I, home. I've never seen a dog react to being in, in, in his house the way this one did, it was it was a uh, it was wonderful to see. The only regret I have is that when I came out of the car, the, the first thing I didn't take was my phone, and I wish I had because I would have loved to. Have, this lasted so long, I could have grabbed my phone with the video and videoed it. You would not have believed how happy he was. He was doing backflips practically, and, yeah. and I don't blame him because I put him. You know, 
it's a lot. I put them through, two, you know, 850-mile drive one way, and, and then three days later, an 850-mile drive the other way. And, you know, we stayed at two different houses. And, I mean, he was comfortable enough, and he got to do whatever he want, wanted because he's such a good dog. But I've just never seen a dog react to coming home uh, to his house the way he did. And that made me feel good because that tells me that my dog is very, very happy in my house. Or that, Absolutely. And that he also thinks it's my his dog, house. <laughs> although although, although well, he, doesn't, our, he doesn't pay a mortgage. Well, we used to take our, my, my Yorkie, we used to take him on trips. And when we got within five or ten minutes of our house, I mean, I guess he just sensed the neighborhood. He, he got an idea that, hey, we're, we're getting close to home because then he would get very agitated and very, you know, nervous. And he'd go back and forth in the car, you know, anything. And yeah, just like just like your dog, he's he's very happy. He gets got back home, and um, after a few minutes, so unlike your dog, after a few minutes, he just like went to his special place or whatever like that, and just relaxed. He he was set in his own ways or whatever, and like ah, yeah. things yeah. are back to normal now. Things are, but that's a good sign for you. I mean that that means that your your dog has already gotten used to your. Uh, southern abode and uh uh considers that to be home home sweet yeah. home no he's and he's and he's great and uh christina pedia you're right he is a high energy dog because he's half he's a half aussie shepherd and uh he um, he needs to be he needs to be run every day and i do my best to do that these last couple of days were a little tough obviously uh but uh he gets five mile walks every day, and since he gets five mile walks every day, I get five mile walks every day. So it is a uh, it's a good thing to have a dog like this, Joe, because they they make you exercise. And I've always been one to work out most of the you know, especially in the summer months of work out outdoors and all. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm also at a certain age right now where, given the choice of working out and not working out, I would probably prefer not to. So my dog makes me do what I'm supposed to do every day. And now, of course, he's just conked out because I think he still hasn't quite recovered. So he's, a, he's asleep on the floor next to me, uh, next to my, uh, my desk here. So um. You're like in, in, the, in, in the first movie, Rocky, when Rocky uh, used to walk or train with his dog, Butkus. And then in Rocky Balboa, which I guess you could call Rocky Six, he got another dog, Punchy. And uh, he used to run with Punchy. In fact, uh, at one point in that particular movie, when they went all the way up the, uh, to the top of the museum in Philadelphia, he actually grabbed Punchy and was like holding him up. <laughs> and, and saying, yay, we made it, we yeah. made it. So uh, Rocky, Sylvester Stallone used to train with his dogs in your training or running with, with uh, your dog. Yeah. Uh, Bill Uber says uh, he's relieved from when he, where, where he was used to before you got him. He doesn't want to go back in time. I, I totally agree with, the, with, with you. Uh, he's, very, he's definitely very happy here. Uh, and uh, Bobby Livingston, a lot of dogs like to stick their head out of the car window. That's one thing he, he, he does. He, he loves car rides. Every time we, when I take him out, he, we pass my truck. He wants to go in the truck and go for a truck ride. Uh, but he, we're, you know, I'm driving down 80, I'm driving down 81 and doing between 75 and 80 miles an hour. And he's got his head stuck out the window. <laughs> he just loves it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how he takes it, but he, 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 um, 
he also I have to I also have to make sure my windows my uh, my my window controls are locked because where when he stands against the door and to stick his head out the window his paw goes on the thing and the, you know he brings the window all the way down so it's one thing to have the window open enough right. where he could stick his head out but then he, I'm, I'm on 81 right. and all of a sudden it's like you hear and then, you know, the whole window is open. Yeah, I, I don't want... Right. If he sees a squirrel out and then right. he's gone, he'll, he'll jump out the window. He's gone. He's gone. Um, he's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing with same thing with my dog. You know, squirrels were... Uh, and, and I've been noticing something on uh, on Facebook. Uh, they have a bird feeder. I don't know if you've seen this, Joe, where there's like a, a thing at the bottom of the bird feeder where if the squirrel tries to get any food out of the bird feeder, he lands on the bottom of the bird feeder and then he starts spinning around. Have you seen this? I've seen that, yeah. The, I mean, it, it, people are buying that probably not to feed the birds, but simply to watch, watch the squirrels. The go squirrels around. go round and round and round and round. Yeah, you, <laughs> listen, I've seen squirrels show up with screwdrivers and pliers and, and, and opening up bird feeders in order to get there to get at what's yeah. in there. I don't mind particularly when squirrels get into the, my bird feeders. I was actually quite surprised because uh, mine hang off the house on the second. You know, there's two stories in the back because I'm on a hill. So uh, the squirrels have to kind of shimmy up uh, the deck, the the the, uh, the supports of the deck to come up. So it's not easy for them to get there, but they some of them do. And you know, if JJ's out on the on the uh, on the porch, he's, he he bar- he uh, he barks them and scares them away. I don't particularly mind when they get into bird feeders, into my bird feeders, and take some of the food there. That doesn't really bother me too much. It's it's when they you know it's when they kind of. I guess if it were a cartoon, the squirrel would literally take the bird feeder and just pour all the seeds out into, you know, into some kind of sack and take the sack. It, that, it's when they do stuff like that where they knock it right. down and the seed all over. That, you know, it, it, right. there's enough there for everybody, you know, and it's enough there for everybody to share. I do notice, Joe, that my birds, uh, the woodpeckers, depending on the the uh, which speed, which type of woodpecker it is, they take their turns on the sewer fear. They line up, so one they'll go one at a time. Yeah. It's really odd. Right. Um, they'll go one at a time. And as soon as one gets off, the next one goes on. And you'll see them on the kind of you see them up on the trees. They just sort of they just kind of park themselves up there and wait, which is I thought was sort of strange. Right. So anyway, it's it's uh, it's uh, one of the, there's a lot of nature here where I am. So it's a lot of fun watching uh, uh, the antics of. Uh, of the daily animals, of nature, of nature, and speaking of uh, nature, uh, I think uh, at this point uh, it is uh, it is calling. <laughs> it's time for. <laughs> I think it might be time for us to say goodbye on this uh, Sunday. So, uh, thanks everybody for being here today. Thank you, Robert Russo, Brandon Doherty, James T, Leon Probitsky, uh, Barry Goldberg, all for. Hitting a super chat on uh, on on this uh, Sunday of uh, gloom and doom and thunderstorms and heavy rains and everything else and the Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at twelve twenty six North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. All the mulch and topsoil you need, folks. Uh, so get over there to get your yard in tip top shape. Six three one seven five six one one two five. The website omnitruevalue.com. And also, Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. Give them a call uh, if you're interested in making this uh, a business for yourself 
or you're thinking about maybe in eight months when we're at, or even before that, maybe Halloween, you might want to have your house decorated. 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, 631-957-5106. And the website is liholidaylighting.com. So uh, we, we don't have a Burler Jeopardy, by the way, Joe, because uh, we were thinking maybe you'd do the, your, you know, you're going to do your uh, audio tapes, but I think we're going to, let's push that for another day. Obviously, we're going to push that for another day. And um, we'll set that up. And you and I will be back tomorrow at 7.30 Eastern Time. Right. I totally forgot about that. But I do want to echo what Crystal Spears on the chat board noted uh, earlier uh, some some time ago. And that is let's pray for a great Passover week. Yes. Let's also pray for a, a great Easter week coming up. Happy Palm Sunday to all of you. Happy Passover, which began officially last night. And we're just a week away from Easter Sunday. But have we considered yet? Are we going to do something on Easter Sunday, or are we going to pass on that? Okay, uh, I, we'll, I, it's up to it's up it's up to you because I have nothing planned. So if you want to do something on Easter Sunday, or what we could do next Sunday, by the what we could do next Sunday is just wait for next Sunday evening and do it. As long as it doesn't interfere with the watching of the Ten Commandments, I <laughs> I think that's the Sunday they well, usually that's... have that on. Well, that, you know, last year, for some weird reason, they had the Ten Commandments aired um, the night before Palm Sunday. I don't understand what the story was then, but, uh, yeah, next weekend, it's either going to be the night before Easter or some, some years it's, it is Easter. That all depends upon the ABC television network and whatever the corporate people believe is best uh, to uh, air their special holiday shows. But it is a tradition here. At least before before my son got married, we used to just sit in front of the TV for four hours and watch the Ten Commandments. But now he's married, and so <laughs> he's, yeah. he's in one place while I'm watching the other one. Edward G. Yeah, Robinson, exactly. how's your Messiah now? <laughs> the frog, see? <laughs> were you the one that did No, the that... best part for me is that... I was going to say, were you the one that, 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 that uh, said that to me originally? Well, it did, Billy Crystal used to say that he used to do his famous Edward G. Robinson imitation, and then he would say, "Ah, where's your Messiah now?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he plays it too. It's just like, <laughs> like, like, like the, when he was the heavy in, the, in some of the movies in the early third, the gangsters in the early third. Yeah, the front, yeah, right. Ten Commandments, yeah, uh, yeah. Moses. What about Moses? I can well, take like, Moses on and, uh, you know, that, with one hand but tied behind my back. The highlight for me in that movie is early in the movie when Charlton Heston takes out Vincent Price. Yes. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. And 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 was it was it was it Edward G. Robinson said, something's wrong here. And whatever the role that Vincent Price played, he's a powerful man. <laughs> and then of course and then of course you have the Beautiful, beautiful Yvonne DiCarlo as Mrs. Moses. <laughs> yes, and you know yes. she—it's—it's pretty obvious that and she's you could almost. I'm watching, I'm watching, watching her in 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 the Ten Commandments. I almost you know hear distantly in the background while she's sitting there. You almost hear in the background, Lily, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> You always expect Fred Gwynn to start appearing. Uh, you know, there's, 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 what are you doing here? There's, there's, there's a there's a there's a bit of a wife nagging scene uh, with um, 
uh, with with uh, Yvonne DiCarlo. She's like, you're never home anymore, Moses. You're always running around in deserts with all those, you know, with all your friends, and you're just, you know, putting plagues on one after another. What's the matter? I'm being told by 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 Mrs. Rayo, it's either going to be what Sunday morning or or Saturday, or Saturday evening, because we'll be. It, yeah, well, I'm going to be in the well. Got to go back and forth to the Bronx. So yeah, right. so there you go. So, so you know what? Let's not do a show for Easter Sunday. Everybody will have some. We've just canceled Easter we'll Sunday. Just, we, we'll, there'll be no show Easter Sunday. All right. Um, all right. All right. So anyway, let's say goodbye now until unless we want the show to last until next Easter Sunday, and uh, we will see everybody tomorrow at seven thirty Eastern time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Yeah. Have a good one. The frog yeah. saying. Uh,